It's Tuesday, October 19th, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, flood survivor, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. (laughs) You have to listen to last Friday's episode to get that. And once again, Derek is out on vacation. He will be back next uh, show, but sitting in for Derek, uh, once again, our very own senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Howdy. Uh, hey, before we get going, I want to tell you, we have a great show in store for you. Uh, coming up later, we talked to Ruth Joe Simons. We talk about how we can replace the message of self-improvement with something better. Something Christian messaging needs right now. This isn't just a self-help faith, right? We need to get a little deeper in that. So stay tuned for that. Also, we have uh, slices. And at the end of the show, you guys have been asking for it. We brought it back. We have a very special edition of Epic Battle coming up. So, packed show today. I'm excited. What? What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because very, very special. Yeah, absolutely. It's very special. Dude, yeah, I'm a salesman. Very, I gotta like hype special. it up, man. Yeah, I gotta yeah, get people yeah, I get like, I get gotta dangle I, the carrot so they'll stay I tuned put, to the end. I, as somebody who put the put it together, who's somebody who was in charge of making it, I didn't know it was supposed to be very special. So I'm I'm really hoping that it, Tyler, every that it game delivers. you put together is special. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate that. I just don't want to bait and switch. You know, I I I, I was trying to think like, is it special? Like, yeah, I'd call it very special. Yeah, it's a very I, special edition of the I come, yeah. oh, I yeah. come from an era. I come from an era when a segment is very special. It's going to deal with a heavy issue, like addiction. <laughs> That's our very special yeah. episode of Full yeah. House. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, or, got or yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, one of the Tanner girls got hooked on, you know, vaping. Yeah, this is our caffeine right? pill like, yeah, just, episode mm-hmm. of Epic yeah, Battle. Yeah. 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 Is, this, is, this, is this a warning against the dangers of vaping, Tyler? Is that what this game is? <laughs> <laughs> very special it's all epic it's, battle we need the to have sisters talk. it's the it's About it's mary kate versus ashley olsen in a vape off we have to have that that scene has the music come up yeah. behind uh, it it's all oh, yeah. oh they're bringing they're landing the plane now mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's queued up yeah i mean there, there's a scene where where cameron you know uh he's like no i'm sure i'm sure those old magazines are just in tyler's desk let me open it up he's like oh my gosh and it's nothing but receipts for various flavors of e-juice what, he's been vaping this bubblegum place he spent probably tens maybe even over a hundred dollars on <laughs> and then when he comes back from his lunch break, I'm sitting there. Can we talk? I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. And and then we need to. I, I slowly uh, open the drawer so we can mm-hmm. see the receipts that Tyler, I found. Yeah. Tyler, why yeah. do you? Smell well, I feel like, like we're giving uh, we've really given away the game here. But blueberry exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> so so, right, so get so the kids, get all the kids all together, right. have them sit, gather around, so they can listen and ask you any questions <laughs> they might have after the game. Epic battle. All right, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're describing like. Like contemporary McGee and me, where where you know uh-huh. M- you know McGee helps us navigate the the terrible world of vaping and and <laughs> e cigarettes. It's it's what is that? No, but McGee's like standing on on his shoulder, so the, right. the vape goes right into his little cartoon face. Well, I mean, well, he you in, he inadvertently overdoses uh, uh, McGee on on bubblegum flavored e juice, and though he's 
fine. I mean, it's pretty harmless in that scenario. But either way, yeah. it's a wake-up call to everybody. This is all assuming McGee's a real person, not a figment of Nick's just fractured mind that, that uh, probably vaped too much, and then he started hallucinating a little cartoon guy, that's and that's the, that's the real plot. Yeah, that's what's mm-hmm. going on. That's Wait, did they, they ever establish you. that the little that the little cartoon was a hallucination, mm-hmm. like an imaginary I'm, friend? Or did they act like he was a r- real thing? I don't think there's an origin story. I don't think there's any sort of like can, McGee Can McGee begins. like open a door or anything in the real world? Like when McGee would go off on his own, uh, did the papers rustle the, or like... I, I think he just kind of popped up whenever Nick needed a little help, like Jiminy Cricket. Oh, kind of like an angel on his shoulder. So you're yeah, saying it's like so. a fight club situation. Like I it's wonder, basically that's, fight yeah, club. That's kind of, that's what I want. I don't know. I don't know if it was ever explained... Uh, I, I'm not like super deep in McGee and me lore, so this could, I could I'm, I'm a little in over my head here, but in my mind it was never explained. He just had a cartoon pal. That's all we know. Yeah, I know, Nate, but like I, I get that part of it, but like, was it like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where the cartoons oh, no, nobody else interacted with real world no, objects? No, nobody else saw okay. him. It was just he just would talk to Nick, and and I. And then he would go back, and I think Nick drew pictures of it. Man, we need, might need to bring That's like a listener on next week to. Well, to it says tell us. online his best oh. friend is a six-inch tall cartoon character of his creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He, okay. he would doodle him, and then the doodle came to life. Was yeah. it a magic yeah. pencil or something? Was that ever established? Was he some sort of? or was it just? Oh, it was one of those magic pencils. Cost like he was like a, he was like in sixth grade or whatever, and his best friend was fake. Was, That's was, sad to me. Just, he had to make That's his a own. rough year. It's a rough year. It's a, a rough year. He was, he was such a huge nerd. He was forced to draw right. his own friends. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think we're overthinking it. I think. I think the beginning and end of of how hard they want you to think about McGee and me is don't vandalize the elderly neighbor's home or whatever. Like that was like a whole episode, and that was like I, know. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's a good lesson. But is that something that the youth of America is like? Should I go vandalize this elderly person's home? You know, like was that really the pressing thing? Uh, you know, maybe they just ran out of. You know, they they covered stealing and 3D R rated movies. So let's. Go straight to elderly home vandalism. Uh, that's a lesson we're gonna. Learn. That was literally an episode. All I'm saying is we're overthinking the McGee aspect. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, stay tuned. Up next, it's slices. Oh my God, Pony Boy. Twelve a.m. Still haven't texted me back. I got a real bad feeling. Things are falling off track. I got a scary intuition that the things that I lack have got your phone on silent. Let the screen turn black. Pick up your phone. I wanna talk to you. Cause I'm all alone. I can't think straight. My heart beats beating. Cause I thought I knew you kept leaving me on red. You're going MIA. Why you gotta do that? Why you gotta do everything you know I hate? You're listening to Forrest Nolan. The song is M.I.A. Well, today's show is brought to you by uh, the Chris Tomlin and United Tour. The co-headline Tomlin United Tour is the most anticipated tour of 2022. It's the first time ever that these two worship artists have shared the same stage. With 33 dates across the U.S., Chris Tomlin and United are inviting fans to experience live and in person the songs that have shaped the modern generation of worship music. 
You can sign up through tomorrow only to be a part of an exclusive presale at TomlinUnited.com. By signing up, you get your tickets first and earn points for prizes like a trip to the Los Angeles tour stop with VIP treatment or free tickets to the concert closest to you. Go to TomlinUnited.com now to sign up for the presale. You only have until tomorrow. That's TomlinUnited.com to sign up for the presale. Go do it. All right. It's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. I have a two for, I'm going to get the heavy one out of the way, but I do feel like it, it's interesting and worth noting uh, on the show is that Pew, the research center, uh, recently released the findings of a really inter- interesting international survey um, where they talked to nearly 20,000 people across 17 different countries uh, around the world. And basically they wanted to find how deep different divisions uh, were spread across the world. Now, they wanted to particularly ask about uh, how uh, prominent divisions were among people with political differences, differences in race and ethnicity, uh, differences between people who live in urban and rural areas, and then people with different religions. Um, because as Americans, we, you know, we kind of have an interesting uh, we, we kind of live a sort of interesting dichotomy compared to a lot of places around the world where we have, you know, uh, freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion. We're allowed freedom of expression to, to express our different ideas. So theoretically, you would think that because people are able to kind of express their uh, differences through civil discourse, um, you know, we would have higher levels uh, or less levels of division because we're, we're permitted to express them in civil ways. Well, mm. uh, probably unsurprisingly. Surprisingly, the United States either ranked at the top of every category or at the very top or was at least in in the top two or three. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is this is just just for context. And this isn't I don't mean this to be a downer. I actually think it's an optimistic story because things the way they are here right now don't have to be this way forever, because, in fact, the 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 political divisions we're experiencing in this country are somewhat isolated to this country. And, uh, you know, uh, compared to globally, only about 50 percent see uh, uh, see political conflict. They you know, even that it's even no worthy in their countries compared to the United States, you know, internationally, it's about 50 percent of people who who have identified political divisions as a real problem in the United States. That's 90 percent. So, you know, it, it really and, and that and that number goes across a lot of these categories when it comes to issues that are polarizing people. All that to say is, you know, this verifies that the divisions and kind of tensions we're seeing around the country are real, like people are observing them and are, are saying they do. But they're also saying, listen, around the world, it's not like this. It is not like this in most places. And that, to me, that's a good story because, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that here. Mm-hmm. And so I think especially as as Christians, you know, it should be some degree of encouragement that, hey, maybe it, we, there can be some course correction because there are a lot of places in the world, you know, that are dealing with a lot of the same circumstances we are, are not as divided. So interesting mm-hmm. story there. Uh, but now I want to talk about one that's just more funny. And I saw that has. <laughs> No impact on on any of us, um, but this one. Uh, speaking of divisions, uh, the the 
Christchurch City Council in New Zealand has made an extremely controversial decision. The only person I could find that was really upset about it was the person directly affected by it. But either way, this guy is really upset because they have decided that after two decades, more than two decades, like 26, 23 years, um, they will no longer have a town wizard on their payroll. Oh, no. uh, for, for 23 years, a gentleman named Ian Blackburn Chanel has made almost $400,000 in income by being the town's wizard. Um, and, you know, they the, his job was to, quote, provide acts of wizardry for the city. Now, <laughs> New Zealand's sort of a magical place. We got the Lord of the Rings. We got a lot of nerdy right. stuff happening. Like it's Dwight's, Dwight Schrute. It's like his his utopia, right? But what's acts we, of wizardry? Like in real, in real life? What is that? What is he doing? Like, what's his 40-hour work week look like? Well, I'll say this. Last time I checked in the last 23 years, yeah. Christchurch has not been attacked by a dragon or elves <laughs> or any any yeah. other orcs, <laughs> trolls, yeah, orcs, trolls, whatever, yeah, yeah whatever, you know. right. Nerd, uh-huh. nerdy Game of Thrones stuff. I don't know. Right. I don't know. If the, right. the, the, the people of the north or whatever. I don't know. They didn't, it's not their problem. They're not, they got a town wizard. So evidently doing a pretty good job. I think if you have a town wizard and you don't know you do, that means he's doing his job, right? I mean, okay. he's, right. you know, uh-huh. you know yeah. like maybe no we one all said, do. Maybe every America, maybe every city does. And that's why we don't see as many dragons as you used to back in the midi- middle ages. They were all coming over every hill to attack the castle. <laughs> now you barely see them because we finally deputized wizards in every town, but they keep a low profile in the U S. <laughs> yeah. Now, now the city council basically are saying like, listen, the image of, of our town is changing. And for tourist reasons, having a town wizard is no longer really all that needed. They said that they released a statement, said the council has met with, they only referred to him as the wizard. So the council has met with the wizard and sent him a letter thanking him for his services to Christchurch over the past decades, informing him that we are bringing our formal contractual agreement to a close. Now, uh, you, it may, it may, uh, uh, not surprise you that the wizard is not too happy. In fact, he released a statement that says, "I don't like being canceled. It makes no difference. I will keep going. I will. I will keep going. They will have to kill me to stop me." Good Lord, wizard! Wow. I feel like wow. I feel Whoa. like things are getting a little heated here. You know, you're not a real wizard, right? Like you're kind of a wizard mascot. Like your New Zealand's kind of a fun mascot thing. At some point. The wizard started taking the job too seriously. And to my knowledge, the town doesn't have any any intention to kill the wizard. I think the idea is just he's not worth $16,000 a year of local taxpayer revenue. So tough situation happening there, but they're really opening themselves up to attacks by dragons or hobgoblins or whatever nerdy thing else is out there. I have a question, Jesse. I have a question. Do they have, question, please. Yeah. Do they have it? Do they have a photo of the wizard in question? I would. I'm just want to know if he looks like a traditional wizard of like pointy hat guy, or you know, or is it one of these like remix like modern take on wizardry? So he yeah. looks like a normal cool guy. Yeah. 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 Like a supernatural no. guy. One of the yeah. No, he he looks exactly like you would what you would think a <laughs> okay. wizard from New Zealand looks like. Like okay. a little unkempt, large beard, black pointy hat, very like close Wait, your he wore eyes. The hat. And, he, wore, he wears the hat and everything. What? Wow. This is a man he who takes his job very seriously. Okay? He he you know, have to kill he also me. said this. This is yeah. He also said me. this. They are not making use of my worldwide fame. I am disappointed they have not made use of the wizard as part of the promotion of Christchurch. 
worldwide fame's a little generous because I think a lot of us are just finding out that New Zealand's paying a wizard. I mean, you know what you should do for a second act? Washington, D.C. has a basketball team. Oh, that's true. There you go. That's true. Yeah, he could I mean, be a yeah. consultant. I mean, yeah. he could make public appearances. He could yeah. keep mm, ward away I mean, the other team. Good, I, don't know. I mean, yeah. Oh, he sounds like the kind of guy who'd get pretty upset the, every time the mascot didn't do something that a wizard yeah. would actually do. Like he would take this job maybe a little more seriously than Washington but would need. You know what? A couple weeks ago, we said Ireland was looking for clowns. Maybe they could take a wizard. I mean, <sighs> there's that. He could move on up a little bit to Ireland. He can make a good case. He can make a good case. I mean, like Tyler said, he can say for 23 years, there's not been one dragon attack on Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like the wizard. I'm worth the money. Yeah, another city will pony up. I'm sure. Here, yeah. Here's the other thing. I can't remember. I like your Washington Wizards idea because $16,000 a year. They're paying John Wall like $16,000 a quarter for like five years. He didn't even play. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they pay yeah. that guy like $200 million. What's another 16 grand a year? Be an actual wizard roaming the halls. Maybe you wouldn't have so many injuries if you had a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> looking out for you know hexes or whatever's happening i don't know it's not my world i don't know it does Seems seem like that franchise is cursed with uh injuries and that is true so maybe they See? need to actually dabble in actual wizardry to turn the tide i like it all right what do you have jamie Okay, it's kind of wizardy, guys, because some people kind of think the Enneagram's a little wizardy, but I have an announcement about well, the Enneagram. Well, just because of the design on the cover. It, it's just it does the, the look, symbol. It does look so a little they wizardy. Say, it's yeah. that and the chanting and the one ritual you have to do in order for the Enneagram to, to give you your number <laughs> oh, that yeah. is seared on the back of your hand. They, they get all caught up on that. <laughs> it's so weird. Okay, I don't get it. Okay, so the Enneagram can get people a little a little uptight. In fact, this is not my slice, but Am I, I doing it wrong? don't. <laughs> I don't often read reviews on anything I do, podcast, books, whatever, but I happen to stumble across this, okay? Someone left me a review on my podcast. It says this, Christians, listen with discernment. I found her podcast to have dramatically changed over the past five years when she became heavily influenced by the Enneagram. Uh, Being, bringing Enneagram leaders on that do not hold historic Christian beliefs. I became very, very concerned. Anyhow, the Enneagram can make people really concerned. And apparently I'm talking about it too much on my podcast. But now, if you are a fan of the Enneagram, Sherwin Williams has a oh, new gosh. Enneagram inspired color palette. <laughs> yeah, it's so love stupid. It. Which, I love listen, this. for an Enneagram six who has a hard time making decisions, Sherwin Williams is making my life so much easier. They gave me a color palette and they said, choose these, Jamie. And I'm like, I will do whatever you tell me to do because that's what an Enneagram six struggles with is making decisions. And so thank you, corporate America. Thank yeah. you, corporate America. So the Sherwin Williams is making money on deciding for you what color you should paint your living room based on your personality. Do you have a couple of the naming examples? Because this is the thing that was like, I, I strained my eyes. I rolled them so hard. I, like okay. like re reading these. Is... So I will read the Enneagram 6 because that's what I am. Okay. So um, mm -hmm. the colors are this. Responsible and hardworking. Oh, there I am. It's not, not a color. Trusting of self. This is, oh, no, okay. Responsible and hardworking is a, is a type of the Enneagram. But the, the color is reliable white. Reliable okay. white. That uh -huh. You don't want white, you want reliable white. Yeah. And then yeah. one is called high strung, which I, I kind of take offense to. Um, and one is called loyal blue. Loyal blue. Sure. Yeah. Huh. So that's Enneagram six. Um, Enneagram nine, one of them is tranquil aqua. Peace mm. of mind. Mellow mm. coral. There you go. Mellow coral. Yeah. Well, I, I had wondered... This 
Uh, you know, I was very curious when it was announced that Richard Rohr had signed on to be a consultant for Sherman Williams, but now I understand what the end game was, and I get it. Can you imagine the one person who like read about the Enneagram going into like Sherman Williams PR that day? Like, hey guys, I've been yeah. reading this book, and I got this idea, and everyone like no one knew yep. how to say like this isn't gonna. We don't care about this, and they're like, well, you know. <laughs> Becky but loves like, this stuff. We can't turn it off. Is this the beginning now of it. them like just naming colors to appeal to different yeah, audience segments? Yeah. You know, yes. like, for the sports yeah. fans, it's not. It's not yes. blue. It's whatever adjective blue. Uh, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. It just feels it, pandering. But 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 to be fair, this is a model. They're just doing the model that Christian bookstores cracked a while ago, which is when something's a hit in like evangelical Christianity, suddenly you know there's a market for prayer Jabez neckties. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're going to just merchandise the heck out of this thing that a lot of people are finding spiritual mm-hmm. solace in. What are the merchandising opportunities here? Because last mm-hmm. time I checked, people eat mints. We might as well stamp a book an, an obscure Bible verse on them and mark the price up. I like it. All right, what do you have, Tyler? All right, so this is this was uh, like a shocker for me to to come across this story, and I, I had to look into it a little more because I didn't really believe the stat at first, but but evidently it, it's true. Now you guys have all heard about uh, the the bee crisis, right? That honeybee, the honeybee uh, mm-hmm. population has been declining over the last few years. Nobody's quite sure why, but but it's it's like a, a problem, I suppose, for people, especially for people who love honey, like Winnie the Pooh. This is a real, this is a serious issue. Um, but I'd, I'd kind of, the story had kind of faded from the headlines and I hadn't really thought about it in a while and I thought maybe they'd had a little rebound or something. But According to a new study from the Smithsonian Institute, uh, the American bumblebee uh, population has declined by 90% over the last two decades, and it has disappeared entirely from eight different states, from Maine, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, Idaho, North Dakota, Wyoming, and Oregon. Uh, meanwhile, in the, yeah, I know. These, hold they, on, these hold are on. They gone. have no bees? Yeah, no. Well, none of this particular, the, the American bumblebee, the bumblebee that, you know, I think we're most familiar with, the big kind of like, it just kind of like moves around kind of like a big dumb idiot, like bloop, bloop. The, that yeah. bumblebee is gone <laughs> from a growing number of states, from from those eight states and its d- population has been cut in half across the Midwest and the Southeast. So, which is why uh, now activists are petitioning to put the American bumblebee on the endangered species list. Uh, that's oh, a pretty big no. deal that comes with a lot of what? liability for people who like accidentally kill a bumblebee. That means you're on the hook for uh, to, to be fined by the government for killing an endangered species, which can create a lot of problems, especially for farmers who use pesticides and things like that but the alternative at this point is an extinction event for the bumblebee so it'll be interesting to see what happens here and also just one of those things that's really scary to think about like can you imagine growing up in a world like without bumblebees like that would be a very weird thing to to imagine for like kids or grandkids but it looks like a very real threat right now if we don't do something about this uh, okay so first of all these aren't honeybees right this isn't that these it's are just a, it's a type of one but yeah but it's not the entire species of honeybee this is the bumblebee is one's particular type of honeybee but but losing them is is 
more than just oh, there's no bumblebees. It's like they pollinate. Right. They, right. <laughs> well, like I'm even sitting here wondering what's happening in the states that don't have any. Like how are how are the flowers? You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. how is their ecosystem not completely ravaged right now? Because that's what they've been saying is that if we lose the bees, like it actually the entire backbone of the ecosystem will fall apart. Right. And there are other types of bees that do this sort of pollination, which is part of the problem, evidently, is that there's a growing amount of competition from bees that have been brought over from other countries and nobody knew the uh, you know this sort of havoc they would wreck on the ecosystem they were dropped into here. So that's, uh, that's one factor potentially in this decline, which again, the decline is sort of mysterious. We don't know all the reasons why they're dying. Their pesticides obviously plays a big role in it. Yards, the proliferation of just of front yards that don't have uh, that those act as basically deserts for bumblebees because there's nothing to pollinate in most Americans front and backyards. So there's a lot of things going on here. But the but this for uh, bumblebees, for the American bumblebee, it uh, none of those things are good. Yeah. But if I mean, let's be honest here, if pollination is getting taken care of by better bees, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the free market. The stupid, dumb bumblebee <laughs> just got to work hard. I mean, I'm sorry. That's capitalism. But welcome to You're America. Lost. That's, that's, that's how saying. we do it here. It's America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Ruth Joe Simons joins us. Listening to Magdalena Bay. The song is Hysterical Us. Oh, that's us. Hysterical Us. Well, Ruth Joe Simons joins us today. She's a best-selling artist, speaker, and author who has written books like Fields of Joy, Beholding and Becoming, and her newest book, When Strivings Cease, where she dives into why our society is so obsessed with self-improvement. Uh, she recently sat down with our very own downtown Emily Brown to discuss how the message of striving for self-improvement can be harmful and what the message should be replaced with. Here is our conversation with Ruth Joe Simons. Self-improvement is not a bad thing, but, you know, just like everything else, it can become a bad influence or at least a draining influence. And even in scripture, we talk about going from, uh, you know, one degree of glory to another. But there's a difference between worldly self-improvement and biblical self-improvement. So I'd like to know, what does biblical self-improvement look like to you? Yeah, biblical self-improvement is ultimately not self-improvement at all. It's improvement made, like, achieved by God. It's called sanctification. It ultimately, that's just a big word for those who've heard it before in the church, but to be sanctified is simply that when we are in Christ, the, the Lord causes us and puts us in a process where because of Jesus, we are made more and formed more into his likeness day by day. So, where sin maybe have broke the ability we had to fully, fully be image bearers to the, to the fullest extent. Sanctification 
by grace causes us to be able to, day by day, be in the prog- process of becoming more like Jesus. So yes, is there improvement? Yes, I sure hope that um, on my way to the throne of glory that I might look more like Jesus on my last day than I did in my 20s. But that's not because I'm striving and creating the best version of myself according to formulas and man-made plans. That's because I surrender myself. Something I've realized is that social media, you know, while a lot of us love it, it can be really damaging. And a lot of times we'll see celebrities who push this self-improvement lifestyle. So, you know, what to what extent do you think social media has helped push this narrative? Well, I definitely think the 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 hamster wheel of self-improvement really kind of starts with us comparing and looking at how someone else is further on than we are or has the dream that we have that we wish was ours has the home that we wish we could live in and so a lot of comparison and the access in that we have in social media feeds feeds that already natural instinct in us to want to achieve on our own to control our circumstances right so I think self-improvement and the idea, the the self-help model just kind of plays into that, basically saying, well, you are in control of your own life. So if you want that, go get it. Just get it by being better, being an amazing version of yourself, and you can have it too. And here's the thing, like like we were saying, Emily, like ultimately, is all self-improvement bad? Is setting a goal a bad thing? No. Is it bad to um, organize your life and um, make plans and project some goals that you have for the next five years? No, none of those things are necessarily bad in themselves. But when our motivation is because we don't trust that God's going to give us good and we have to achieve good on our own, that's, I think, when self-improvement becomes something we worship when we're meant to worship Christ alone. In your experience, do you feel like being honest is one of the ways to push back against this narrative? Well, certainly, I think um, if you really can't get in so many areas of our lives, if you can't get honest with yourself, then you're going to basically buy into anything anyone else says about you, right? So that's like really a basic thing. Like we we really have to slow down enough and turn off all our devices enough to actually be with ourselves and talk to the Lord about who we are if we're going to ever get to the bottom of it. But the other thing I think is also just kind of a goes hand in hand with being honest with ourselves is I think the self-improvement narrative keeps pressing in and the only way to fight that is actually to replace the thinking of you're in charge, you can fix yourself. You have to replace that with something truer and better. And I'm not really sure how you would replace that with more feel-good platitudes. You have to replace it with the truth of your identity in Christ. And so I think one of the reasons why we're so exhausted and maybe, I mean, I can only speak about being a woman, working on social media, living in this time, why women like me might feel super exhausted and worn out and feeling like they never measure up. I think one of the reasons is because we're so busy and maybe so easily satisfied that we're kind of biblically illiterate sometimes. We're not going to the word and finding out, huh, 
what does the grace of God actually do in my life? Do I actually understand that the gift of grace actually was a substitute for my striving and it's meant to sustain me and actually cause me to grow? And if, if I understand how that works, then all those other methods that require me being amazing really pales in comparison and don't measure up at all. One of the things you mentioned is going to scripture to find truths, to push back on this narrative. And I'd like to know what are some other practical things we can do to make sure we're not listening to this false self-improvement narrative? You know, the Apostle Paul is such a hero for me. When I think about Paul being somebody who was pretty smug on his religious efforts and was pretty much like, I'm the best of the best. I I have all the creds. I have all the credentials. I'm like the best version of a Jew you could possibly ask for. And God chose to stop him in the middle of the road and like save him and humble him, cause him to not see. And then he ultimately was granted apostleship. Like if you think about the effect and the impact he's made on the church and that coming from somebody who said, all those deeds were worthless. All the things I thought were so religious and great, they're worthless. I need the grace of God. Okay, that person wrote the epistles, let's say, you know, Colossians, Ephesians, so, so many. But every time the Apostle Paul writes about how we can improve our lives, essentially, like forgive one another, or live like this, or do that, or use self-control, or be kind, we could call those things self-improvement, right? Like be improved in these areas. Every time he talks about those things, guess what? He doesn't start his letter there. He always starts, Emily, with talking about what God has already done, what Jesus has done on our behalf, and what that means about our identity in him. So when I think about pushing against some of that self-improvement narrative and how to do that on a practical sense, I'd say we're crazy if we think that we can be Christians and believers that don't rehearse the truth of the gospel to ourselves on the regular, like daily. Because I forget, I don't know about you, but I wake up every day and think when I'm like ready to get out of bed, oh my goodness, it all depends on me. Like it's like, it's like this crazy soundtrack that plays in my head every single morning. Oh, it's all up to me. It all depends on me. I got to do, you know, and we, we immediately start that self-improvement, self-reliance that we are just easily prone to. And I have to actually stop myself and remember, okay, I am not my own. The grace of God has purchased freedom for me. Can I operate out of that? And that really shifts my day. It starts, it resets and recalibrates me every day. That was Ruth Jo Simons. You can read more of our conversation with her over at relevantmagazine.com. Okay, stay tuned up next. It's Epic Battle. You're listening to Ego Apartment. The song is Wrong With You. Okay, it's time for... Epic Battle. 
if you haven't heard Epic Battle, Epic Battle is our opportunity to set the record straight. The internet likes to argue about stuff, you know, like straight Superman is better than gay Superman and all that stuff. You know, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? We're going to settle it. We're the authorities on so many things, on so many things. So we figured we would uh, just settle it once and for all. What we do is we pair up. We have two teams and I it's like a mini debate style. I'll give you two people or situations. I'll give you yeah, a situation and then you guys will make your case of why uh, y- you know your person is the one who will win that battle. Okay. So uh, welcome to the show. Uh, one of our editors at Relevant, uh, Emily Brown, downtown Emily Brown. Hey. Hey everyone. Uh, downtown uh, does a lot of stuff on our social media. So if you've been enjoying Relevant saying really pithy things on Twitter to people who are stupid. That's Emily. So you can get mad at her. That's my specialty, I fully condone actually. it. I fully condone it. I love it. It's my favorite thing she does, but she does a lot more than that too. But anyway, all right. So Epic Battle, we're going to do a few rounds here. Uh, the teams are going to be uh, Jamie and Tyler versus, be thinking of your team name, versus Jesse and Emily, be thinking of your team name. Okay. Uh, Jamie and Tyler, what's your team name? <laughs> Reliable White. Let me pick what's your Enneagram number, Tyler? I'm a nine. Okay, I got it. Are you ready? I like uh, reliable white. I like reliable oh, white. I'm not, I'm not reliable white, but it works it okay. works on a number of levels, Jamie. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Jesse and Emily, what's your team name? Emily, I feel like we should keep downtown as part of the name. And then I want to pour one out for a guy we learned about earlier in the show that I'm sure you'll hear about soon. Uh, a wizard. I think we should be the downtown wizards. I, I think downtown a, wizards. Uh, I like it. I like it. Downtown <laughs> strong. Yeah. Downtown Very wizards strong. versus the reliable whites. Um, okay. So for the first round of Epic Battle, here's the two people. Okay. Lynn Manuel Miranda versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, why did I pair those two up? Because they're both terrible rappers. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> Dwayne The Rock yeah. Johnson has been promoting his rap song this past week. And I cannot stand Lynn Manuel Miranda's version of rapping. So that's the that's the two people. Uh, Reliable Whites, you have Lynn Manuel Miranda. Uh, okay. Downtown Wizards, you have Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I know, Emily, you're yeah. a big fan. And here's their competition. Who would win in a karaoke contest? Reliable Whites, you're up first. Tyler, you go first. All right. Well, I, I think this is a pretty straightforward one because Lynn Manuel, while while certainly a very bad rapper, and I'm not disputing that, the the man has a lot of experience. He's a theater kid. He's a Broadway mm-hmm. kid. He he's born he's born for this sort of stuff. He he's been he's he's got he's on he's getting Disney money right now for the sort of songs that he's putting together for Moana. Uh, and I think he did. Was there a, did he do Frozen? He might have done a Frozen thing. I can't. He definitely did Moana in any case. And some In the of the heights. new like Lion King yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. He's working on the new Little Mermaid that will remake they're doing. That's because Disney knows a good a good melody guy guy knows a guy who has a good ear for melody when they hear him. And Lynn Manuel does have that. So as long as we're not rapping in this karaoke thing and he can stick to just singing big pop hits, uh, I think Lynn Manuel's got this one in the bag. Downtown Wizards, why would Dwayne the Rock Johnson win in a karaoke contest? I'll take this one. Um yeah. I mean, it is like a known fact that The Rock has in all of his contracts that he can't lose anything. So I feel like if he enters into a karaoke battle, 
he's going to only injure it knowing that he's going to win. So I feel like we kind of know beforehand he's and also who's going to tell the rock that he didn't win something i'm not going to tell the rock incredible journalist you just said something that as fact that i did not know is it true or are you making a joke that he has it in his contract that he cannot Uh, lose it is a rumor that i choose to believe is true (laughs) (laughs) i like those Uh, it feels right that like he can't lose um i think like i've heard that so many times that he can't he it's like in his contract he can't lose a fight ever and again, oh. I'm not going to tell The Rock that he didn't want to fight. Right. Uh, are you going to tell you. him? No. Mm. It, it, okay. Emily, you make a strong point because it's very apparent that Tyler and Jamie have not been to a karaoke bar. You don't tell the 300, you know, like the guy who can bench 300 pounds up there just belting out no matter how bad he is, he's terrible because that's not how karaoke bars operate. This is a man I've seen get in a wrench fight with Vin Diesel, okay? No one's, <laughs> no one's, no one's confronting that that gentleman. All right, your rebuttal, uh, Reliable Whites. Well, I just want to say, like, you know, I've been to karaoke bars and the people who do the best at karaoke bars are in between that 35 to 45 year old age range because you still think you're young, but you don't think you're too old. And, and Lin-Manuel's 41. The Rock's almost 50. He, he's a little too old to be hanging out at the karaoke bar. And so I think that age is going to help um, Lin-Manuel Miranda in this uh, little battle right here. Uh, he's got a little bit more pep in his step. He ha- he's hmm. not, he's, you know, he's not 50 yet. And, and the rock's knocking on 50. Yeah. He's got youth on his side. Hmm. All right. Agreed. And uh, final point, uh, downtown wizards. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he fought Vin Diesel with a wrench and he's <laughs> look, look, when you go to, when you go to a karaoke bar, Mm-hmm. Karaoke bars are generally, again, guys, I feel like you're a little out of touch. They're not in the nicest part of town, okay? <laughs> generally, the people who are belting it out, pretty late night. The one, the, a little the one near me is called Big Daddy's, and the floor is sticky. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, exactly what so you're talking it's not about. A place, it's not a place where a, a, a anyone in a muscle shirt, no matter, no matter what kind of level of fitness they're in, you just don't mess with someone in a muscle shirt at a, a karaoke bar. That is, that that's a... I feel like a pretty hard and fast rule. He's winning, to Emily's point, he wins no matter what here. Uh, Clark, who do you think uh, made the better points? Who convinced you between the two of them? Uh, I mean, uh, I I guess I'm going to go with The Rock. I would not have enough, you know, confidence to uh, tell him he lost, so. I'll tell him. I don't care. <laughs> you and your Enneagram nine self are going to be the, the one rock. guy booing. You're like, buy your applause. Boo. Who wins? And you're the one guy booing the rock. <laughs> no, get a real job. Go back to wrestling. The last thing Tyler sees before it all goes dark is one eyebrow raise. <laughs> <laughs> made a grave mistake. What was Miranda going to do? Whip you with his ponytail? Give me a break. <laughs> the rock is the threat here. It's a legitimate threat to your safety. Yeah, the, the voters are in, within eyesight of the contestants. That is true. All right, uh, next one. Here we go. It is the main cast of Seinfeld versus the main cast of The Sopranos. Uh, Downtown Wizards, you have The Sopranos. Reliable Whites, you have Seinfeld. And the competition is a potato sack race. Potato sack race. Uh, Downtown Wizards, you're up first. Why? Does the cast of The Sopranos beat Seinfeld in Potato Sack Race? 
Jesse, you got this. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, this one seems kind of obvious to me. If there's one thing that that gas is proficient in, it's dealing with bodies in bags. Now, <laughs> but, you know, most of the time they're they're carrying them through the pine barren forest. Uh, you know, they're not jumping in them. But listen, if there's one cast of characters who are on TV who know their way around bags and bodies, it's the Sopranos, okay? They move them That's every right. way That's possible right. throughout the course of that series. A potato sack race it is sort of sandbagging it, in my opinion. But I'm interested to hear your case, guys. <laughs> I never know where you're going. I did not expect that. All right. So, our reliable whites, Miley Seinfeld, and the potato sack race. All right. Well, this is going to be interesting because I'll, I'll tell you that I just got a text from Jamie saying, I've never seen either of these shows ever. And, uh, and, and I'll be honest too. Jesse makes a really good case. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> we can see. We can see. All right. All right. That's fair. All right. I don't, I don't like to give up without a fight. I don't like to give up without a fight. But I, yeah. but I also don't. I like The Rock. Don't take on challenges. I don't know I can win. And, uh, and I feel like. <laughs> and I know what I beat. So I'll concede. Downtown Wizards, you have. Have Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, and Uh-oh. Reliable Whites. You have Colin Jost and Michael Che, two duos, two dynamic duos. Okay. Ma- like Megan this. Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, and Colin Jost and Michael Che. Here is the competition: a round of mini golf, a nice round of mini golf. Who okay. wins? Okay, okay. Uh, you are up first, Reliable Whites. Okay. Well, I, I think this one is actually in much the same way that the Sopranos is an obvious win for a potato sack race. I feel like this is a really easy win for the weekend update team. First of all, you've got you've got uh, Jost, who is an Ivy educated guy. He comes from a lot of money. All those guys do is play golf. That's the, the that's that's the whole that's the whole thing out there on the on the East Coast. Is you get together on the weekends, right. you go play around a golf with your homies. So so Jost even by himself is uh, is really on top of this and. And then I think also with Michael Che, uh, what what Joe maybe doesn't have is sort of the whimsical nature that lends itself to a good round of mini golf. Like Joe knows his way around, you know, a regular golf course, but maybe not the mini golf mm-hmm. course. And that's where mm-hmm. Che can come in mm-hmm. with a little bit of savvy and uh, and sort of help mm. hone his skills for the obstacles, like the big windmill, the alligator mm. mouth chomping up and down. He, he can help. He can help deploy those skills in a way that's really going to be executed very well on a mini golf course. Hmm. All right, downtown wizards. Why would Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly win the round of mini golf? I mean, listen. If there's one thing, Emily, you can back me up here. I'm sure you're you're <laughs> very very familiar with the work of both of, of both of our our people. We have it's talked about them I, at length in our staff <laughs> chat this week. Yeah, yes. but not about their mini golf skills. <laughs> yeah, but if there's one thing we know, if there's one thing we know about Machine Gun Kelly. It's that he is basically an expert at temporarily appropriating a skill set that uh, only later becomes evident that he has no business attempting. But he fools everybody for a little while. There's no reason to think that wouldn't translate to one game of mini golf. Now, is he going to go win the Masters? Heck no. But we've seen, you know, we've seen the guy go through like five different iteration of fingernail styles alone in the last year. The, the you know, the, the, the he can he can temporarily disguise himself pretty effectively I have no reason to think that couldn't translate to a mini golf game okay good point uh, your rebuttal of reliable whites Jamie you've seen well, him in action so you why don't you take she this? recently attended a Machine Gun Kelly yeah, we were talking about this last did. week and, yeah. and usually a rebuttal would be where you kind of speak 
highly of your people that you're trying to win. I just want to take a moment just to say that I don't know that Machine Gun Kelly uh, is going to be awake during the hours that the that the mini golf little playground is yeah. open. And so oh. I, I think that he might not even make it to the to the team. I, I recently saw him. He, he's very sad and very angry, and I think he might be asleep. And so I don't know that he would make it to the mini golf. That's what I have to say. So, so you're saying Colin Jost and Michael Che, the people that you're you're supporting, mm-hmm. win by deep by forfeit because Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox just didn't even show, show up. I, Megan yeah. might be there, but if you don't have your whole team, you can't compete. Yeah, and so I just play. think Machine Gun uh, Kelly did not make it to the competition. Uh, uh, interesting. All right, and your final point, uh, Downtown Wizards. Um. First up, I do think Machine and Kelly would show up anywhere that Megan is because they're like weirdly attached at the hip right now. So well, if well, one of them is going to make golf, I feel like the person that's not showing up is Michael Che because that he does not care about really anything. He have time for this. Yeah. He would yeah. have to be paid like a million dollars to be paid. To like go play mini golf, and no one's paying a million dollars for mini golf. And if they are, they're just crazy. That but. wasn't stipulated. Now we're bringing it outside. I feel like we're moving the goalposts. <laughs> Emily, Emily, that is a, a strong, strong point. I want to. I want to add one more thing. Is I think mm-hmm. we're we're missing the obvious thing. Is like this is a feat of athleticism. There's no question. Megan Fox is the best athlete out of all of them. I mean, she the, appears to have stopped aging like four years ago. So a feat you know, of athleticism. I, it's mini golf. We're, this they don't have to vault <laughs> over the fence to get to the golf course. It's a little stick. Some like of these, some of these courses are pretty it. intense. Okay, yeah, exactly. You've seen that Steph Curry, holy moly show. You never know what you're going to run into. It's American you know, Speaking of shows, I, I would like to say one more thing, Cameron. I did just yeah. find out that um, Colin's brother is a producer for the Hidden Camera Show and Practical Jokers. And I'm just saying, to be a producer for a show and Practical Jokers, you probably pay, played a lot of mini golf because you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing some jokes out on the on the mini golf course. So I That's bet right. he's had experience with his brother. Yeah. Is what I got to say about that. Mm-hmm. All right, Clark. Who who did who convinced you more? I mean, the whole Ivy League take uh, takes it over the edge for me. So I think Weekend mm. Update takes it. Weekend Update takes right. the mini golf. That's right. Downtown Wizards uh, won two rounds, mm-hmm. and the Reliable Whites won the final round. All right, that'll do it for uh, this week's ed- edition of Epic Battle. Uh, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Ruth Joe Simons for joining us today. Make sure you check out her book, When Strivings Cease, which is available now. And you can head over to relevantmagazine.com to um, check out more of our conversation with her. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to stop by the faith section on relevantmagazine.com and check out our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk. It's presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional email you can sign up for, or you can read it every weekday right there on the website. Those things are awesome. Deeper Walk is a great way to start the day. Go check it out. Uh, Also, make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the socials to uh, stay up with what's new and what's what we're doing every day. It's where you can um, reply to our editorial question of the week to be on Friday's episode. Uh, And we have a lot of stuff we're doing. Um, Make sure to even especially check out what we're doing on Instagram. The team is having a lot of fun every day talking about Instagram and putting some stuff out there. So go check that out, especially on that note. We will wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Emily Brown. Hey, it's your first downtown Emily Brown. Goodbye. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys on Friday. Derek will be back. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. 
Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. He's been vaping! Relevant Podcast Network.